Welcome back to the Cover Zero Podcast. Tonight we are here for the wild card round recap. The super wild card round recap. I'm your host, Jordan. Join tonight, tag teaming with my guy, Corday. How was your wild card weekend? My wild card weekend was uh, very eventful, very uh, surprised on a lot of different things, and uh, a lot of shocking endings in three of the games that we saw this past weekend. Uh, and mm-hmm. closer in some games than we thought it was going to be. But yeah, that's why they call it the wild card or the super wild card exactly. for a Because crazy things happen on wild card weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely, they do. We're going to go through it all tonight. Just going to go back and forth on each game, go game by game, drop our thoughts, drop our reactions. Uh, normally, we do the I see you and we do the what's going on. Definitely, some of those might come up. I'm just saying. But they, <laughs> we may not have them necessarily topically. But we're going to be here with you to give you everything we got. And we're going to just start from the first one we saw leading all the way with what we just saw go down in Cincinnati late. So that would kick us off in the Bay Area as the Niners win. 41 to 23, the biggest win in terms of point margin in the entire wildcard weekend. And just to start this one off with you, bro, was this was a tale of two halves. And what is your ultimate takeaway as we reflect on this matchup? As they say in the playoffs, uh, the more talented team shows up, especially when it's a, a wide margin of talent from one team to another. And that's what definitely happened in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first half, it was very shocking, but I was I was kind of saying like I felt that it was kind of disrespectful that it was supposed to be a ten point. Uh, uh, the betters had it like it's a ten point win, and it ended up being that. But going to, at the end of the first half, the game was very close. Uh, it was. Gino Seattle Smith, was winning. <laughs> Seattle was winning. Yeah, Seattle was winning. So I was just like, yo, in my head, I was I think I was in the chat like told y'all like. Yo, know, this is a division rivalry, and it's always been close with the Niners and the, the Seattle Seahawks. And Geno out here balling, man. They're doing a lot. Um, and then the second half happened, and then it actually started off pretty good with Seattle. But then that's when the Niners' defense started to make plays and started to take over. Like, uh, what was like? I think that like that fumble was like the game changed the game for the rest uh, for the rest of the game. And then was the game changing play. And then after that, the Niners didn't look back, and then. Uh, uh, gates open, flooded, and then the Niners showed you who was the uh, one one of the most talented teams in the NFL, especially in the NFC. One of I don't know if I'm gonna say the best, but that defense is definitely I say the defense is definitely the best though, uh, and it's definitely definitely showed up because even in this game in this first half, Brock Purdy showed us that he is still a rookie. He wasn't. Yes. Um, Yes, that second quarter, he got a little skittish in the second quarter. Got a little, and he kept rolling left. I was like, what's these guys? Like, but he, okay. he was backing up. He was rolling uh-huh. left. He was backing uh-huh. up. He kind of got like a little bit less decisive. Yep. He kind of got a little bit rattled. But I mean, you know, like yeah. you said, early on, he showed his rookie tendencies. But then in the freaking second half yeah. <laughs> of this game, yeah. this man had night completions for 185 yards. Yeah. I was like, you know. I'm a, I was just like, yo. Start throwing it on, on. Start throwing it underneath, because a lot of times Debo. I still remember the play in the first half when he forced it to IU deep, but Debo's running wide open underneath. Yeah, underneath. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, could have yeah. been something. And then on other plays, like I feel like he was throwing it deep to IU or there were like another playmaker. And then Kittle was like, looked like he was two yards away from the first down, and probably you know Kittle has like a great yards after the catch. So I'm like that could have been another huge play where instead of having to force it deep. 
throw it underneath and let your playmakers make plays, which Kittle and Debo are known to do after their play. Because, you know, I might throw a little seven to eight yard catch, but then they're going to get an extra 15 to 20 yards, especially with one stiff arm. And then those guys are both hard to bring down. So we saw it later in the game as he calmed down that they started to exploit the talent on on the Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks defense. Because I remember I was, when I was watching it, I was like, a lot of guys are just running open underneath. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that guy really not matching up. That guy not really, or it was like safeties just like around guys, but not like covering guys. Like it seemed like everything was his own. Like, oh, you want to catch that? Go ahead. Oh, I'm gonna try to tap you. Oh, I couldn't. Like that was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of that. Like, also, to me, man, a lot of that is Kyle Shanahan's genius yep. at being able to diagnose up players breaking in at different depths breaking into different areas, the timing in which they might break in or break out on top of each other. And really to me, that's what was so on point for me from this game. If I was Mm -hmm. to talk about like San Francisco, yeah, Kyle Shanahan just was drawing up some crazy stuff. This was a game really honestly where Brock only had to, I would say like the tough completions he had to make the tough, like Brock do something type of throws where it wasn't just, you know, Hey, this guy's wide open and throw to him. Like the Debo long run that he hit on the, it was Debo came over on a crosser at about intermediate depth. Brock hits him. Debo does the rest and is just yeah. gone with a great block from Brandon Ayuk that Seattle fans are going to yes. call holding yeah. uh, at, at the end of the day. That, yeah, that that one, you know, that, yeah. was a, that was a tremendous play and that was something where you actually saw Brock do something. But overall, throughout the course of this game, I just kept thinking about, wow, like Kyle Shanahan is, is crazy. Like he's absolutely nuts. And that there was that the Christian McCaffrey 65 yard run in the mm-hmm. first quarter. Mm-hmm. I sent that video to you guys and for everyone like listening on that play, like the design of what he put in place there, Kyle Shanahan did was ridiculous. When he brought George Kittle in motion, George Kittle's designed to block the corner. Like this is not, this is not conventional football approaches right here. Then he releases Ayuk to go block the safety. He puts his fullback in at the slot because they're the Niners and their personnel allow them to do that. Puts Kyle Juszczyk in the slot who cracks the linebacker. Then you get Trent Williams kicking out Bruce Irvin there. I mean, all of those things working in conjunction and having a running back with the vision and the patience and the timing and the explosiveness still to be able to make that effective in Christian McCaffrey, it's, it's brilliant. I just love seeing it. And it's... It's the same old song that I feel like we've said since last year, maybe even more so this year because the addition of Christian McCaffrey being another versatile piece to use in the offense. It's just when they have all these people at their disposal, they're so hard to deal with. I don't really necessarily have something I could say for Seattle to do that would necessarily turn the tide for them because just like you said, bro, this Niners team continued to show out. Overall, what was your summation of Clint Hurt, I want to say, in this game, the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Do you think oh. he he could have he could have done more for his team? Do you think that necessarily he had a bad game plan, or was this just really overall like we both previously brought up, just kind of a reiteration of what we said in terms of a disparity in talent? I think it was a disparity in talent, you know, because you start seeing several guys like let's say Tariq Woolen was like they're probably their best corner on that team. But you got Debo, Ayuk, Kittle. You can't cover all three. <laughs> and then, right. And then, and then Jennings was making a few plays here and there, too. So it's kind of like, okay, well, we got – and then I think uh, Woolen covered Ayuk for most of the game as well. 
Like that's what the one thing I noticed in uh, Debo mm-hmm. was going more in motion. So the other corner, I really don't know who he is. I it's not, I don't believe Michael that. Jackson. Michael Jackson. There we go. Okay, yeah, that's the other celebrity name. Michael Jackson and Kobe <laughs> Bryant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was. It's funny because name was Michael Jackson, and you like the corner, so you backpedaling, or you could just do the moonwalk backwards, you know all that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just a, it's just of a, a, a lack of talent to match up with all these key plate people, especially with a great mind of a, of a Kyle Shanahan as well. Because we have to also think that they lost, or not, they lost. They cut Bobby Wagner, and the only person they have on this team who's like really good at the linebacker position is Brandon Brooks. But he can't Jordan Brooks. Uh, Jordan Brooks on my back. Yeah, and I don't think he played. He didn't play this game. Yeah, that, I was I was thinking to I was like, I didn't see him and he didn't play. So that's that's even more of a deficit as well mm-hmm. then. Um because yeah. then like your best linebacker isn't playing. So who's gonna cover all these guys? Your best guy ain't out there, and he was struggling to cover most people just because right. a guy like Kittle was just so phenomenal, then there's nobody gonna be able to cover him as well. So it's just a lack of talent, and he went from a four three which they was doing the whole time they was with uh, uh, under Pete Carroll to a 3-4. And that's always a major struggle uh, for people like or defenders, uh, people there. Like usually the first thing that's, that's affected by it is your run defense just because you have less linemen and people, uh, their gaps are different and the lineup position is different and stuff like that. And you don't, and you don't have the personnel to fill that as well. So mm-hmm. lack of talent still – they became a younger team once they got rid of Russell Wilson too, um, and still hitting on a lot of draft picks of this year. But it's still in another solid draft, especially on defense at linebacker position and in like uh, D line specifically too. They really try to and outside linebacker too. That's the one thing about three fours that I don't get. Like some three fours that I hate when they just try to like put out a bunch of coverage guys like corners and safeties. We can run so many safeties or a three safety thing and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, you also could create a great pass rush with a three four as well. Like, <laughs> I yeah, was, but you, I was, but that's the problem, bro. In today's NFL, you want you don't want seven dudes out there that's like big behemoths. You don't want that. You're gonna want more DBs. outside linebackers though. Like, you can at least have like a pass rush. I feel like they either opt some like uh, defenses just opt for coverage only, and then it's certain you can't always cover all the time. Uh. You need you need guys up front or just like pa- outside linebackers who can rush mm-hmm. the passer and like you mm-hmm. like utilize you know get you can beat can win the one on one you know okay like when your corners are out there covering you need a guy who can beat the one on one instead of just like we got to play perfect coverage every time otherwise we're gonna be like tired and stuff like that that's why I feel like sometimes uh, like the Rams right like the Rams even though we're not gonna talk about them the Rams is a uh, is a great team, and they have Aaron Donald. And I always feel like, well, Aaron Donald will take on two to three double teams, and he's and anybody playing next to him will be able to, uh, uh, will be able to get sacks because Aaron Donald's on the team. It's like, but also we saw how much better Aaron Donald played, or how much Von Miller was a, a factor on that defense when he had a guy who could get after the, uh, the rusher too. So like stuff like that, you know, like get mm-hmm. another good outside linebacker along with an uh, inside push as well just it doesn't like have a mixture of where your coverage doesn't get there so to not look too far forward was there any team the course of this weekend to you that was more convincing of let's even though we didn't have two teams play this week there was two teams of course the chiefs yeah. and the eagles didn't play on the bye and all that but as far as to who we did see take the field did any other team convince you that did any other team let me put it this way did any other team put the rest of the league on notice like the niners did as far as like 
you don't want to come through here. Any team besides the Niners or just the Niners? The Niners mostly. Like the Ni- did any team outside of them? Like because to me, this is the no. squad that look like no. you don't want to go face them. Even maybe no. if you're feel like Philly's, you know, obviously going to hold home field if they come there. Yeah. But this is the, to me. I said this I think before the playoffs started, and if I didn't, I'll say it now. This is the squad that's coming out of the NFC. This is who I'm going to put my chips in. This is just okay. the unit on both sides of the ball that just seems like an absolute juggernaut right now. If I had to pick one coming out of the yeah. NFC, and to me, it's it's pretty easily them. Would you agree? No, I would not agree because my Eagle fan is. I was just going to see if I can get you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't do. I can't do that, man. I can't do that, especially right uh, now. I was just going to see. I haven't seen them uh, play us yet, but like this, this, this is definitely a team that scares me. Though I'll say that. This is like okay. uh, their defense looks ridiculously good. Like our defense isn't as great as theirs is, but we have players getting healthy at the right time. But then also, some, several other players are hurt as well. So sure. it's like, uh, sure. a, and and no, I get you, I get you. We'll yeah. we'll get into what these two teams yeah. be if they played against each other and why yeah, one's exactly. greater. Than the other. Like, I was just seeing if I could hit that trap door real quick. Nah, nah, anyway. nah you, ain't, you ain't getting me. You ain't getting me. <laughs> I got too many Niner fans out here, but like. I bet you won't make it out of NFC. I was like, I bet you won't. Like, you know, <laughs> I already got like yeah. big uh, trash talk with Niner fans in the Bay Area, so you ain't gonna get me in that trap. So yeah, yeah, no, I I understand that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. But nonetheless, hey, congratulations to the Niners. Uh, we all we all predicted this was going to be the result. We had, I think, a closer game. I don't think anyone predicted a uh, deficit of that of that yeah. type while we were sitting here on the the exit of it. So. We will move on to the Chargers at Jacksonville. So if some people turn this game off at some point, I understand. But by, ten, by now as we record it and everybody listens, it'll be, it'll be well after that. The Jacksonville Jaguars come back from down 27 to nothing. At home, Trevor Lawrence and company, Doug Peterson, <laughs> they do it. 31 to 30, beating the Chargers in the wild card round. Overall with this one, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that even though the score was 27 to nothing and there was a point when I think it was, yeah, it was when the score actually reached 27. There was a third down in the Jags territory. Chargers had the ball on the goal, like goal to go third down, right? Inside the five, lower red zone type. And Keenan Allen runs a stop and go, gets open deep in the end zone. Herbert triggers on it, reads it, but leaves it just a little bit high. That was the part where I was like, you know what? We've all talked about how Joe Lombardi hasn't really necessarily been the greatest offensive coordinator and the great, you know, that's tongue in cheek, of course, because he's been pretty trash. It's been big trash. We've talked about that. But this was actually a play where in that scenario, something was drawn up for him with the tools that he had, and he just absolutely botched the recipe. He killed it. And when that happened, there was a field goal. And at that point, it felt like the door was shut but the lock was not set. That door was unlocked. And unlocked it ever was, because eventually by the end of the fourth quarter, the Jags blew it open. And there was that point, I think Trevor Lawrence was, what, four of 16 for like 30 yards and four interceptions. (laughs) And then after that, the fireworks came and the Jags came back. I just love to see that type of resolve with it. And just the Chargers offense, I feel like, was gross throughout the whole entire period of it. There's no way that everybody always talks about. There's no way that you come out on top. If you lose the turnover margin, mm-hmm. the Chargers were plus five. Yep. Plus five and lost it. Plus five 
while going, what was it on third down? I want to say they were 8 of 17. Yeah, 8 of 17 on third down, plus 5 in the turnover margin. Lose the game. Oh, bro, what what do you got to say about this? Oh, this is this is one of those like how you mentioned it. It was uh, uh, the play you broke down and stuff like that. Uh, the throw was there, and then uh, it, that moment that you mentioned too. I was kind of like, you know, the Jags defense isn't like getting ran through. They aren't like right. being destroyed. It it doesn't look like they're the the Chargers are too much of a mismatch for this uh, Jacksonville defense. They're just being put in tons of bad situations where the ball's being turned over on the 30 and then they only need one to two plays and then there's touchdown. So if they have to drive the length of the field and it actually can make it tough on them, and if their offense can sustain a drive where they actually get a lot of rest, this defense might be able to be able to hold them on a lot of future drives. And that's exactly what they did. And that's why they was able to come back because going into the half, it was 27 to zero and the San Diego Chargers only scored three more points in the entire second half mm-hmm. with uh, the fact that they kept stopping them. And then uh, Jacksonville's offense was able to sustain drives and listening to um, Tony Dungy. He kept mentioning at the fact that if the Jaguars comes out and stops the Chargers on their very first drive in the third quarter, and then Jacksonville's offense can score in the first quarter, I mean, and that's on, on their first drive, they can get back into this game because then they'll have momentum and they can ride that into a victory. Uh, mm-hmm. And he would definitely know because he did that amazing comeback again with his Indianapolis Colts against, against KC. Yeah, huh? Against KC, right? No, I'll say against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On Monday oh, against the Bucs. That's right. He was out. He yeah. was already out when they did it against KC. That was yeah, uh, yeah. that Reed. was a different coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was Andy Reid. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that was, yeah. Man, oh, no, the coach, that was that was different coach. That was different coach. That was uh, that was uh, uh, uh Fangio, not Fangio. No, who was no it? it wasn't Fangio. Now I got me tripping on who the coach the guy was. Who had cancer, unfortunately. unfortunately. Oh no, that's Chuck. That's Pagano. It's Pagano. Pagano. Yep, yep. That was yep. Pagano. That's what yep. Andrew Luck. Yep. Yep, Chuck yep. Pagano. So Chad, I always like Chuck Pagano. I liked him too. Like, he was, he was yeah. a good, good, good dude. Um, I gotta. What? Keep going. Keep going. What were you saying? I was gonna say. I was gonna say. So that that momentum of the two, and then uh. Tony Dungy was just putting it out there. You start giving yourself momentum. You stop turning the ball over because a lot of those plays, it seemed like Trevor Lawrence wasn't seeing guys or he kept forcing it to, I felt, was the Chargers' best coverage corner and Asante Semyo, who knows how to uh, jump routes and get guys and has amazing hands. Like a few times, it seemed like they – because they do a lot of underneath stuff with Evan Ingram because a lot of people – in the past, it's like seeing that Evan Ingram's tall and athletic. Let's just send him on a fade. And then Doug Peterson used, utilized him and said, no, let's have him go east and west instead of north and south. Well, that way, he'd get matched up on under routes and then start turning up. And a lot of times, it was when Evan Ingram was running across the middle of the field and about to get mm-hmm. to the right, uh, Trevor Lawrence's right side on the flat. Asadi Samuel would just be sitting there and just jump in front of it. And he did that, I think, two to three times and even broke up another pass. And that's oh, that was I, on. He had. That's when he had the interception on that cover too. Yeah, and a lot that of those, play. Uh, yeah. I gotta give Staley credit for that call. Like that play design was actually really dope. Yeah, yeah. That one. That one was really fire. So yeah. No, continue though. So yeah, and then and then uh, the and, and, a, and a playmaker like Asante Samuel Jr. learning from his dad, having incredible hands as a cornerback, he's going to be able to jump that and 
get it. And then a lot of other times, I feel like they was forcing plays to their best cover corner and Asante Samuel. And instead of attacking other, going away, like at one point I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go away from Asante Samuel because it seems like he, I throw a pick every time I go. And then by doing that, they started to get back. Their offense started to get more in sync. I, started, I think it was picking on like 37 or like a few other guys who other teams was picking on. And then that offense was able to sustain drives, uh, get first downs, and then started to score because let's go away from the best guy and let's go away, let's go to some of these other guys who, aren't as good as Asante Samuel. And then I got him back in the game. I think really it's like you talked about Asante Samuel on the cover too. That one was, that one was probably where I was like, I started, cause you know how the game was going. I was like, we're getting like just gold from Brandon Staley from a schematic design. I really thought that was gold because especially on that play in particular, that was one where I was like, just, you know, sitting here being my all 22 self, just like, Oh, and he did this and he did that and he did this and they did this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, because they brought on that play, they brought Christian Kirk in motion from left to right. Mike Davis followed him, right? So usually what that, what that tells to Trevor in that particular look is man coverage, right? If, if a DB follows you from one side of the field to the other in pre-snap motion, that's usually because he's got you covered. If they're playing zone, you just kind of pass it off and you don't really move from your area because you got to guard that area and whoever comes into it, blah, 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 all that. So he sees that pre-snap motion where he follows him. So he's like, okay, cool. Right before the snap, Derwin James and Mike Davis flip. They flip, they like Derwin like taps him and they just do a quick swap. So then Trevor drops back thinking he's about to get man. The safeties play with leverage in it, as opposed to if it was two man, as opposed to like cover two zone because of where the holes are. But then post snap, they just kind of slightly, you know, form into their cover two. And Samuel waits on it. And Trevor like wasn't expect like he's got to be able to post snap read that. Mm-hmm. you know, to not throw that pick. Cause that's what it was. That's what the great ones do. That's what the, you know, if you're going to be a playoff quarterback and be able to get wins, obviously he did, but that's something he'll tell you. Yeah. I got to recognize that. And it was just a great call by Staley to confuse him pre-snap and give him all of this communication. Yeah. This is what you're going to get. This is what you're going to get. This is what it is. This is what it is. You know, he was very aware of Doug using motion early on and then just throwing different types of zone looks off it. Cause in second and first down, a lot of those, he'd follow him in motion. All right, man coverage. Boom, post-snap, man, coverage. Beat it. And at first, they really couldn't, because even Tony Dungy talked about it. That was another thing I thought. I thought he was pretty – I thought he did an all right job in this game, you know, really communicating the game well. But another thing that he mentioned was how the Chargers were also sitting on routes, you know. Yep, they're sitting on it. They're squatting on it. They're sitting on it. And the Jaguars didn't really want to test them to be able to, you know, make them turn and run. But in the second half, that's actually something we saw. I remember I even texted the group. I was like, Christian Kirk on a corner route. Christian Kirk on a corner route. <laughs> Christian Kirk on another corner route. He got Derwin James. He got Bryce Callahan. I mean, that one touchdown where he hit Christian Kirk on the corner route, of course. I think it was against Bryce Callahan, the second one. I mean, that was Trevor's dime of the night to me. Just when he put it there, where he put it, being able to allow Kirk to shield the DB. That was just awesome tonight. So I got to give Staley at least some credit for that. But <clears throat> the coach tonight, I mean... The coach this week, and there's a couple, there's a couple guys that are going to get the official axe. I'd say the the offensive coordinator to me that's got to go the most out of all the teams that we saw tonight. I wouldn't give it to Greg Roman. I got to give it to Joe Lombardi. He's the one who's got to go. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll get to the defensive one here here later on, but for sure that's the one that I would go ahead and kick out because <clears throat> this Charger offense was just it was pitiful. Guess how many, bro? Guess the running game was so non-existent just on running back runs because I took out 
the Herbert scramble, et cetera, because I wanted to be able to give some type of focus to how the running backs did. When it came to just running back carries, bro, guess how many yards they had tonight? They carried the ball 20 times between Kelly and between Austin Eckler. Guess out of 20 carries how many yards they got. <laughs> I want to say about 50 yards because I saw a stat that uh, Austin Eckler had like, I think he had two touchdowns, but he had 35 yards on the ground. So I'm going to say 50 yards. You are like spot on, bro. 55. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. This dude trash, man. This dude trash, man. 20 yeah. carries for 55 yards, right? And it, it's just, it seemed like there was just this team offensively with this, the people out there. When DeAndre Carter went out, yeah. they had, I don't even know the other guy they put in for him who came in the slot. So it was Keenan yeah. Allen, Josh Palmer. Gerald Everett, the tight end, and Parham, the other tight end they wanted to use. Austin Eckler, and then the other guy who's like, you know, the last receiver to dress tonight. Like, when you go into a playoff game, you have injuries on the offensive line. You have nobody that can threaten the defense deep. It really takes away the skill sets of the other people and players that you have there and really honestly puts a silencer on the cannon that is Justin Herbert. This is nothing we haven't talked about before. It's just frustrating to see in a playoff game. Yep. Mm. Yep. There's uh, uh shout out to DeAndre Carter. He's from Sac State. I haven't seen like a lot of people make it out of Sac State to the NFL, so I'm gonna give a little shout out. Sac State. It was like, oh, he's like some. And I was like, Sac State. I was like, oh, he's from Sac State. Wow, Sac State made it to the NFL. So yeah, that's uh super crazy because this is Sac State is really just like a cool school, but they're not known for football, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, I'm like how you you made it? You got you in order to get. In order to make it to the NFL from Sac State, you must have had to be putting up ridiculous numbers, you know? Like, right. that's a very small. I think it's like, a, it's a D1, double uh, A, but it's not known. So, yeah. Uh, right. But, yeah, the the running game with uh, lack of Joe Lombardi is definitely, um, definitely not. I think also, I think they were in the bottom, I think it was like 28th or something like that in the league when it came to rushing, too. Like, even though yeah. Austin Eckler was your guy, and like he, I think he had like 103 receptions or something like that. They did not show his rushing stats. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was super funny. It was, like, it was like, oh man, he's like, you know, he's been he's been super great. They show like his receiving. They compared him to like Marshall Fall getting like like it was like another running back. I think it was. Uh, and then they showed his stats. I'm like, yeah, but Marshall Falk did it in the air and on the ground. Eckler's only doing it in the air because they can't rush. They can't run. I was like, so why are we showing these? They don't threaten defenses deep. Like, like the de- why would why would defenses that are playing the Chargers, why would they not just cheat those safeties up? Like, they're not going over the top on us. Right. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're really not. Like, so much of this Joe Lombardi offense is just like, watch the receivers run. It's like, run and stop. Yep. <laughs> run five yards and stop. And then run five yeah. yards and stop and kind of move out. Like, and then yeah. run over the middle and stop. Yeah. Like, it's like None of these dudes are fast. They're all possession receivers, and we can't v- vertically threaten you. So we have to just yeah. run 10 yard comebacks at all times. <laughs> like five yards, four yards comebacks. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's so short. Stick over again. Good God. Jason Garrett loves this offense. Stick, 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 stick. I, I mean, I can't get over it. I just, I can't get over it. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's the offensive quarter. I hope to see that moves on. We'll revisit the Chargers and everything that they have to do in the offseason. Of course, once we get there. But hey, big congrats to the Jags. Didn't lie down. Didn't quit. That seemed to be something that I would at least give them credit for. And something that I would also have to give a certain man named Doug Peterson credit for. 
from the yeah. standpoint of the coach. All right. The fact that this whole entire team just seemed to have the idea that we're not done yet. Right. I don't know. Like I talked about it before. I can't remember if it was specifically with the Jags, but there's a naivety to this squad. And I'm pretty sure I did say this about them. There's a naivety that exists there and it's good. And they really leaned into it and just never thought that the moment was too big or that they couldn't do it. And like I said earlier, you know, I was talking about how Trevor Lawrence started the game. Overall, numbers-wise, first half, he was 10 of 24 for 77 yards, four interceptions. Second half, 18 of 23 for 211 and four touchdowns. I mean, bravo, Jacksonville. Uh, <clears throat> glad to see what you were able to do in the wild card weekend. But uh, yeah, the task, will get, uh, the task will get much more daunting in the next round. And I want to see what they, what they got left. I want to see what they got left. We will now shift gears to the next AFC playoff game of this weekend, which started out in Buffalo. That was shocking. <laughs> this game seemed like this was going to be one of the biggest routes of the weekend. Obviously, everybody who listened to the preview shows knows that we did not feature this one on that episode, primarily just with the disparity. We had a quarterback and injuries and that sort of thing and time constraints, blah, blah, blah. We didn't get to it, but here we are right now, bro. Like... This game was fun, and I think the overall takeaway is that, you know, Miami didn't belong, all the, that, those sort of mantras that we hear throughout football. And despite the loss and uh, how the numbers may look, what was your overall assessment of how Skylar Thompson played today? Uh, if Tua would have played, the Bills would have lost. Or, my bad, you said Skylar Thompson. Skylar um, Thompson. Sorry, yeah. my bad. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I, got, I, got a, I got too far ahead. Um, I honestly feel Skylar Thompson, he's third string for a reason. Um, he had some plays where like some drives where he seemed like he got into rhythm, but a lot of, a lot of inaccuracy. I think he was 18 of 45 for like, I think 145 or 20 yards or something like that. So it showed like, okay, he, he's, cause I think what it was a late round pick. It was a late mm -hmm. round pick. Yeah, he was, he was the, uh, he was the second to the last quarterback pick in this draft yeah. after him. It was Purdy. Yeah. So. Wow. That, yeah, isn't that crazy? That's funny. Isn't that crazy? To see Purdy, like, who's doing very well in this Niners offense, and then Skylar Thompson, who's in the same offense. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah, it comes from the same tree. Yeah. Come from the same tree. Looks nothing alike, and Purdy's way more accurate than Skylar Thompson is. Um, I think he could probably be a third string running. I mean, uh Accuracy is a big issue, and we can see as a guy, as he's still a young guy who's not ready to be a starter, or maybe possibly one day he could be capable as a backup or something like that. But uh, a lot of struggles, you know, a lot of struggles out there. But at times he made necessary plays to keep it close, and this game actually came down to the final minutes in the fourth quarter, so which I didn't see coming, where it actually they could have won. If it wasn't for some uh, bad clock management, which we saw in several games this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What about you? Yeah, in particular, I thought really, I mean, the receivers for is particularly freaking Jalen Waddle yeah. did not help out his young QB today. Yeah. 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 He had all, a lot of people were crediting him with what, three drops. One of them all can all contribute to a Trey White breakup. But I yeah, mean, especially the first one. Trevor Davis White too. Yeah, that was a great no, I'll, I'll I'll give him that one. There were two other. There was one other one that was like kind of questionable to where if you look, you're a receiver who has the pedigree, established himself as Jalen Waddle has, 
even though he's a young receiver, right? But yeah. we, you know, he's on the track to be able to be paid and most likely will. So eventually, if that's where you're, if that's where you're tabbed to be, if that's the level that you've established for yourself, you got to bring that one of those other two down. The first one, though, bro, like yeah. a high school coach is getting on his receiver for dropping that. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, there was a couple other drops throughout the course of this, uh, the team. And I wondered, honestly, going into this game, if Mike McDaniel was going to really load up on the run. I figured we'd see a lot of like 21 personnel, as yeah. we had said earlier, 21 personnel being two running backs, one a fullback, one a running back, one tight end and two receivers. And as we had previously said, though, Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, same coaching tree, right? That Shanahan tree, that's, you know, where, that's, that's where they get their bread and butter from. They deviate in their own way, but nonetheless, they are the two offenses that featured the most usage out of 21 personnel this entire season. And when the season was on the line, when the, a trip to the playoffs was on the line with this same roster that they trotted out there today, considering with injuries, you know, no Teron Armstead didn't necessarily have, obviously didn't have two, et cetera. So you had to maybe make a sort of a different game plan. When they played against the Jets, they really went with a lot of run, a lot of ball control offense. Yeah. With this one, they would show that heavy 21. And it seemed like so often on first down early, Mike McDaniel's like, we are using first down to like use heavy looks, keep enough blockers back in there, give Skylar Thompson and turn Tyreek and Waddle loose and see what we can get downfield. And it wasn't really necessarily clicking, obviously, because of the drops at times. But the running game wasn't something that was really necessarily a huge component, as I thought it would be today, especially considering that Buffalo doesn't run base. We always talk about, like, you know, uh, 3443, of course, you know, base looks, all teams have them. Buffalo's base is nickel. They yep. don't have a three linebacker set. So I figured yep. today, someone from that tree of such as Mike McDaniel is would be able to scheme up something where he maybe doesn't do what Bill Belichick did a year ago and only throw it three times, but just, you know, be able to produce when it's like, stop us, bro, in the trenches. Part of that is being able to have a DB such as Teron Johnson. But nonetheless, I thought I would see a much more concerted effort with that, especially early on and much more success with that. Overall, what was your assessment, though, today of the man that was just pretty much surgical throughout, I would say, most of the game? not all of the game as he's been all year, but Josh Allen, what was your assessment of him? today? When I need to make a play, I'm going to make a play and I can make a play, you know, that's a like, good way to do it. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Like, cause it's like, okay, oh, this game is getting kind of close. And like, okay, for instance, going into the halftime when, uh, okay, they, they left too much time on the clock for Josh Allen. And then Josh Allen comes out. I think it was like a minute and 20 left and he throws a pick. Miami goes down, uh, their defense, Buffalo Bills' defense stops them, and they kick a field goal. I think. Oh, Josh that was Allen the one on, like, the Beasley deflection? Yeah, yeah, the Beasley deflection. Yeah. And I think um, I think Josh Allen had, what, like, 40 seconds or something like that, or 30 seconds. Josh Allen goes, <laughs> drops back, throws it to uh, Davis for, like, 30 yards, something like that. Oh, we're already in field goal range. Like, like yeah. damn it. Like, <laughs> I was like – I thought we got momentum back because you just threw a pick. No. Nope. And then we're going to go down. We couldn't get a touchdown. Ah, we still got a field goal, though. It's going to halftime. Like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> it was one of those, like, hey, if if the Dolphins do win, which I felt like they could have won in this game, y'all going to have to stop the crazy I'm Josh Allen plays and I can do this. <laughs> but I'm like, how can you stop mm -hmm. a dude who 
drops back, has a cannon for arm, throws it way deep, and it hits the receivers white right in the hand in stride. Like that's the like that was the thing. I'm like, yo, um, this team, Josh Allen didn't look perfect throughout this entire game. Uh, one, I think, because it's also a division rival, and he and he turned the ball over. Yeah, he had, he had like, two of them. Yeah, he had two picks in the first half. So, um, and a fumble. Yeah, and a fumble. So he didn't play perfect, but he played well enough to uh to not have his team lose. But yeah, he's he's not perfect like we think he is, and he does have like a lot of up and down play, but he can make plays when he need when he needs to. So it's a it's weird. Like it's not perfect play, but it's it's a hmm. I guess, like I said it before, I can make a play when I need one. Mm-hmm. Right. It might be close. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I make a play when I need one, but at times I'm going to make bad plays. And I think this was really, honestly, this play was really, this game, I would say, was a huge definition and kind of a, a microcosm of what Josh Allen's play has been throughout the course of this year. That, yeah, at, I was going to allude to that, too. Yeah. Great, great call. Great call. Yeah, like, at times, like, incredible. How do you stop this guy? This guy is a cyborg. He comes from Skynet, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, something like Terminator. All that. yeah, you know, all yeah. That. But then other times it's like, oh no, oh that's bad. Oh yuck, gross. Like you know, I mean, that's we saw that on display. I think on both ends today, and I, it, early on, early on, because it looked like Buffalo was going to blow the doors off and to start the game up, but they didn't. Right? They didn't. There was at first like early on in the game where uh, Miami started lining up sending a lot of that cover zero pressure after Josh. And one of the ways they do it, I broke it down on the old SSAW page. One of the ways they do it is where they'll get like alignment. They'll put so many dudes on the line. Romo kept talking about it to, I love that he was defining the name of our podcast. What's the cover zero? Well, listen to Romo today. He talked about it like 17 times, you know, (laughs) you know, but, but what Miami will do as far as a small wrinkle with it, is as Romo talked about, they'll outnumber the blockers. So one blocker has to take one guy or one blocker has to take, like he's basically got a this guy or that guy type of pick in one in one scenario. When the rushers for Miami realize that, when they get this guy to do it either or, whatever side he turns to, right, that dude just drops. And what they do with that is they change the math. So think about it. If the center can block this rusher number 91, rusher number 92, he turns to number 91. That means 92 is coming free. But then the other dude, 91, he drops out. Now you've wasted a blocker and added a dude in coverage. Just based on that little adjustment, they do that a lot. And sometimes teams can scope it out. If you block it up still, you could scope it out, especially Josh Allen being able to run. He can get free. And there was a time where they kind of got to Josh, didn't necessarily, they did sack him, right? Which is what led to the first third and 15. Miami then comes and shows (laughs) cover zero again. Josh checks to a max protect. And that was the one he bombed to Diggs. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just absolutely ridiculous. And then after that, the play they get after that, it puts them in the red zone early, right? They come out in a two by two. Knox, Knox gets the touchdown on this play, which was just ridiculous. Like a cheat code. One headed catch. Yeah. Bro. Catch, and the yeah. ball to get it there. Like, <laughs> and the format, like it starts all the way like <laughs> zoom. Yeah. You're Jerome <laughs> Baker and you're in perfect coverage. And then you hear exactly that. In your left ear hole. What's that? Oh, it's a ball. It's in his right hand only. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I mean, and Knox started on the left side of the formation all the way out at wide receiver. Jerome Baker is the M man on the line of scrimmage 
all the way on the other side of the field with nobody directly in front of him. He's about to rush, right? He has no flat responsibility there. But then they bring Knox in motion into the slot. The Dolphins pass it off. Then Knox comes on jet motion, right? As he gets starts running, he starts humming. The ball is snapped while he's in motion, going from left to right on the screen. Baker then starts his rush, sees Knox coming like, oh, shit, I got to take him. He stays with him on the, it's supposed to just get him to the flat, but then Knox turns it up field. And like you said, zoom, touchdown. <laughs> it's, it's just, oh man, it's stuff like that to where it's like, this team really has that other gear at certain times when they can hum, like we were saying, <laughs> when they can do that, when they can hum on, on all cylinders, but when they don't, they can look very susceptible to feet. And I feel like that's why this game was so close, honestly. Overall, I want to give a shout out to Kadir Kohu. He is one of the DBs for the Dolphins. He was my first team all-rookie slot corner this year when I put out my own all-pro teams. And he made, I think, the honorable mentions list at the position as well. Just had a really, really solid game today. And uh, But nonetheless, uh, the, the Bills team advances. Overall, I thought this was, was a really entertaining game. Anything else you want to say before we move on to the next contest? Uh, I wish... Um... Mike Medano would have used the running game more, especially when you know you're using your third string quarterback. I I wouldn't have my uh third string quarterback throwing it 45 times. I would at least try to have more balance in the run. I think I just saw Wilson only had 10 carries for 23 yards, but at least continue to run it, at least keep them honest. Also, another thing with uh Josh Allen, how looks like Cyborg Terminator. But then at times she looks like this is like his sixth Terminator movie, and he's just not as sharp as he as he once was. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, which Arnold is this in this movie? Like, okay, all right, okay. Yeah, we're getting kind of old up there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, which, uh, which which Terminator we got here? So that's basically what I wanted to get at. <laughs> I do got to give uh, Leslie Frazier some credit as well because while Josh Allen started to teeter, the, I think the Bills' defense kind of picked it up. We started to see some pressure from the Bills. The Bills linebackers, by the way. Got to give a shout-out to those two guys. Oh, man, yeah, Before yeah. the season, Matt Milano and, Trey, and Tremaine, bro, for sure. Before the season, we talked about this secondary and being healthy, and obviously that's you know that was the case. But this secondary was hurt all year. Yep. And it didn't really derail this Bills defense as a whole. Sure, they weren't the best defense. They weren't dominant, but they weren't like bad. And I know they, you know, the 31 points surrendered and all that today. But we saw some good play, and I think a lot of it was just really due to those two guys. I mean, they started to bring pressure with them from early on early downs in the bits. The Bills. The Bills are not a team that throughout the course of the season blitzed a lot. One of the lower groups that did it without the league, throughout the league. And when they would show that, you know, Milano or Edmonds could come on a pressure look or Tremaine Edmonds, it then allowed it to when they'd walk them up on third down, and let's say they're going to drop them out into his own. Miami at least had to respect that. You know what? These dudes might come. These dudes might be in my face. So I got I to gotta try to be able to do something. And so I got to give Leslie Frazier some credit there. Uh, last little note I want to say, the Gabe Davis touchdown, uh, unlike his, uh, I mean, we've seen this guy in his last, I think Jim Nance talked about it. We've seen this guy in his last two playoff games now put up five TDs, yep. uh, referencing back to the divisional round. But that Gabe Davis touchdown, I don't know if I could be a respected defensive coordinator and ever run cover two against Josh Allen because all I've seen this man do is hit those hole shots between corners and the safety all season long. And it's just, it wouldn't be a Bills win the right way if they weren't putting people through tables and Josh Allen was hitting hole shots, you know? I guess if I'm running cover two, I'm going to have three safeties. 
that kind of a thing. I guess that's how you would try to do it. And it's tell the safety on the left and the right, just run to the corner. This man can hit that. Like, <laughs> but like, like the only way. But that's not even cover two. I don't know what coverage that would be. That's what you'd I'm have saying. to like. I think what you got to do is you got to go four cover four because cover four of them they got to play it top down, right? Yeah, so that way you good. at least have someone in that set. Like if you mm-hmm. if he sees that corner in the hole, like sitting in the flat, and yeah. he's got that safety in the middle of the field, like Boom, it's going to the corner. Going, going and he, yeah, that corner area. Yeah, I'm yeah. going. I'm going into the corner because I know that safety won't get there enough time, and my arm is way strong enough to beat him. So, mm-hmm. and, and and Dorsey, Dorsey sees it too. Dorsey sees it yeah. too, and he's drawing it up routinely. Yeah, yeah, really, really awesome performance. Uh, we'll get to it, of course. Um, uh, just wanted to also mention. Um, we had what was it? The Dolphins seem to have problems with the play clock. Yeah, throughout the whole course of the game. Yeah, you know. At times, it seemed like a, it seemed like a, it just like it was routinely something that you could count on, and mm-hmm. that plus the four false starts were just yeah. and the drops and you know things like that. Uh, there was the, of course, you know we we mentioned Skyler not played too bad, but he had some yeah. some bad plays in there, particularly yeah. the couple of interceptions that he ended up throwing yeah. in this one. What's the yeah. first one? First interception was just terrible. Yeah. Oh yeah, like what are you doing, dude? Yeah. And then the uh, the playcock, the mismanagement of the playcock when he got down to four and one, and then. Um, uh, delay a game penalty back to him from four one to fourth and six, and it changed the complexity of just uh going up and hike it and trying to run it, which they really was running most. But it probably a creepy sneak, and then now they're back to the fourth and fourth and six, and you got to pass it. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But overall, hey, really really impressive performance nonetheless from Miami. I don't think anyone really gave them a chance this weekend, and they made it competitive. And a couple of Dolphins fans that I was talking to, that was just kind of one thing they were really looking to see they knew this isn't the first the, the full version of their team i should say but nonetheless they they held their own today but still came up came up short uh speaking of coming up short uh the minnesota vikings <laughs> and somebody that someone on this show oh, tends to oh, follow yes. narratives of named kirk cousins yes he yes, was the quarterback yes. I for... all on kirk cousins this man is i just saw the stat he was 31 of 39, which is like, you know, 273 yards and two touchdowns and a rush touchdown. But he's 12 and 21 in career prime time in and or playoff games. Ah, 12 and 21. Ah, y'all believe in this dude? Y'all, it's, it's your dude? <laughs> this, your, this, your, this your guy? This your, this your guy? How, how much more zingers you got ready there? How, how much more? <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, man, hey, man, hey, hey, man. Uh, this you do? This you do? You do? Whose man's is this? Whose man's is this, man? Whose man's? You know? Hey, hey, Kirk Cousins lose every 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 primetime game, B, or like (laughs) dudes lose every day, B. (laughs) I I hate. I just you know I I hate that this had to happen to him. I really do. Because I mean, here I'll I'll do it right now. I'll be. I I said this in the chat. I'm saying it now. Yeah, he didn't play perfect. Of course, he didn't. I really think yes, his that last that that last play of the game, honestly, yeah, and maybe a, just a, a just a, a minuscule amount of times, yeah, was it really on him or where he could have done something different? Mm-hmm. But let's look at let's look at really what the course of the scope of the game is. Right, the end of the game, I would say yeah, T.J. Hawkinson getting that ball five yards short of the sticks. Uh, I get it. The pressure was bearing down on him as it was all yeah. game. Let's let's start yeah. with that. Yep. Dexter yep. Lawrence, my guy. Yeah. My my guys, because he's the size of two human beings and then yeah. some. <laughs> but yeah. like 
Dexter Lawrence was destroying Garrett Bradbury all game long. Okay. They had no answer for, for Dexter Lawrence all game. They didn't. That that Giants D-line got busy today. The Wink Martindale pressures, they weren't as heavy and crazy, like leaving people on islands as they normally are. He knows the yeah. defense or the offense he's playing. But nonetheless, I thought that was a good game plan from Wink today. Really solid usage of what he had. And it was it was problematic for Kirk all day. But nonetheless, he still worked with what he had. There were so many times, just like throughout the course of this year, where Kirk was completing something at the last second, and you wouldn't even yep. think he would get it out, and the dude yep. would get blasted. The freaking hit that Thibodeau had on him when they came yep. out in, I think it was 21 personnel, right? It was the one that he got rid of to Irv Smith Jr., right, on a oh, rollout. Yeah. Bro, like, he was under center, right? Thibodeau is to Kirk's left, lined up over Darisaw, the left tackle, right? They down block away from Kirk on this, like, you know, it's basically about to be a boot, but it was a tight end delay. So that, like, he he chills, and then he gets out into the flat. When Kirk hikes the ball, his back is completely to Thibodeau. Thibodeau is already screaming off the edge at him, and Kirk's back is turned to him. I was so worried. He turns around after the fake, recognizes it immediately, gets the ball out. Boom. Takes one on the chin. And this seemed to happen so many times. It almost was like TJ Hawkinson couldn't get a first down unless it meant that Kirk got tattooed. Like, I just, this was this was frustrating to see. Of course, with whenever you watch the Vikings, there's going to be several moments in the game where it feels like, you know what? I feel like you should go to Justin Jefferson. I really feel like you should go to Justin Jefferson because it seems like he can't be guarded. I mean, did you ever feel that same way? Yeah, I definitely feel like um, in situations like that, you should definitely go to Justin Jefferson or the, or look for Thielen. Um, but uh, like he said, like you shared uh, so eloquently that um, – he felt like he was being pressured, so he hurried up and dumped it out because he couldn't take a sack and that kind of thing. But it also kind of seemed like he panicked, too, because, like, there was pressure, but it wasn't, like, people bearing down on him, you know? Like, he could have seemed like he could have waited, like, another half a second or, like you mentioned it, like, stayed in the pocket longer to deliver a strike or a step up in the pocket or something like that. Uh, uh, just just basically try to mm -hmm. create more time for yourself so you can get the ball off because uh, Zay we got to give it to Xavier McKinney, too, because he made a hell of a play. But it was because he was so short. It wasn't like he threw it to where, like, uh, Hawkinson only had to get a yard. It was literally right, like right, right. four or five yards short of the first down. So it wasn't even close. I was like, and that's, that's not even Hawkinson's game. game. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's I'm not like, like you're throwing the ball to George Kittle to move after the catch. Exactly. Like. <laughs> exactly. So I'm just like, that. that's that's what you don't throw on fourth and eight? Like, and that's what was so disappointing. That's why I kind of go in. I was like, man, Kirk Cousins trash, stuff like that. And me, you almost got into it in the chat because you thought I was, I was like, like, I got to blame know, somebody. <laughs> I was like, I got to blame somebody. He was like, you know, it's not Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins' fault. I was like, I need to blame somebody. And Kirk getting this, <laughs> he getting this slander. So. <laughs> yeah, you said it before. You got to stick by your guns. I get it, man. Yeah. It's just, but I mean, to the credit, though, I mean, of, of the Vikings understanding the threat that Justin Jefferson is like, I do have to give it to Kevin O'Connell and uh, on this front. And the fact that towards that middle portion of the game is where me, I started to get like, you know, it seems like that, like he was what five catches on the first drive. Of course, yeah. that's the yeah. scripted portion of the game, which mm -hmm. the Vikings have done tremendous throughout all throughout the course of this year, best in the NFL on opening drive touchdowns. Just that's the way they were, have been. And Kirk was perfect on that entire drive. And then it seems like they got away from him. And throughout like those middle portions of the game, second quarter, third quarter, et cetera. And, you know, really even honestly on into the fourth, 
they were mostly using him as a decoy. Yep. And mm-hmm. we saw this we saw this a lot, especially in the third. They used his gravity as an advantage. And that's really the best way I can put it. It's like he's a magnet and the way that DBs and defense defenses and just game plans gravitate towards him. He has that type of pull and it opens up other things for people on this team. We first saw it with the goal line TD that they yep. had. They, that was a dope call, bro. Irv Smith had him. Like they hurry up, rushed up to the line, had uh had JJ um in the backfield, mm-hmm. uh, flank to the left and stuff like that. They didn't know the Giants didn't know how to adjust to it. They said hike. Uh three Justin runs to the flat. Three guys come up. Irv Smith is way is wide open in the back. Kirk Cousins hit him for a touchdown. Yes. Yep. Great design plays. Great design plays yeah. using him as a decoy. That was awesome. That that was awesome. And he again, there was that uh there was the fourth and two call that uh when Kevin O'Connell decided to go for it. Right. And they go out in a, I think it was a two by two formation to the right. And Wink drew up like a, I want to say it was like a five man pressure. And they could tell that they were getting that type of look on the outside. So usually one way that you'll counter pressure looks is with screens, right? You can get some, you can get one dude blocked and then we're kind of off to the races. So they draw up that, that same look. And then the Giants know, okay, they probably come with a screen here as a counter to it. So then they draw up the fake screen to the wheel where they put Hawkinson in the slot. He bends outside on his release like he's about to block the corner and then takes off to the, you know, to the deep sideline. And there's only one safety in the middle of the field where there's just not enough space for him to close that gap. And both the interior defender and the corner ran upfield after Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Freaking Hawkinson's just wide open running down the, white, the right sideline on the fourth and two conversion. So both of those times were really awesome to see. But me, I, I would just... If, it, if it's coming down to this season and I got the best receiver in the game like we were talking about, that's where I'm going. If the season is on the line, I would just, um, I'll, I'll, I'll live and I'll live and die. I don't, you know, I got to watch all 22, but yeah, this is the same dude that roasted them when they doubled him on a third and 10 to put them in, in yeah. scoring position. Not only scoring position, but, but scored the touchdown when this team played back on Christmas Eve. So, I mean, yeah, that's just yeah, how I would I'll- go. Yeah, I definitely want to see like what's the breakdown of that last play and why Hawkinson was open in the sh- in the short, or why you even run a play where Hawkinson runs short. Like even like if I'm telling Hawkinson like, "Hey, run to the sticks," you know, kind of a thing where don't run short, run to the sticks was a possibility we can get the first down. Let's say if the the pressure's coming or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So just in case you can like get as close to the sticks as possible, where you can fight for it instead of. You know, if you get tackled and you fall forward, you get it because you were one yard away versus uh, being the five yards away, which he was. So it's definitely. But, yeah, I I would do the same. I will either I'm either going to Jefferson or I want Thielen and Jefferson to be near each other and Jefferson to go right, take everybody with them. And Thielen's open or at least can get like make the tough catch, you know, one of those two things. So those are my, my two playmakers, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's especially because Kirk Kirk loved throwing it to to Thielen too before uh, Justin Jefferson got there, so they still had that same rapport. So yeah, they could see the field similarly. But for me, overall, of course, you know, didn't put it all the way on Kirk. Yeah, I said he could have been better, et cetera. That's what we were just recently talking about. But ultimately, man, to me, this game is bar none by far. Ed Donatel, defensive yeah. coordinator for the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you are you kidding me, man? This yeah. game it was just like okay, we coming out with a static four down lineman, split field safety coverage, and we run in match quarters 
we run in match two and we might run match six, maybe. And, and but we ain't, we're not getting in the faces. We're not jamming anybody. We're not going to follow you in motion. We aren't going to have a spy on, on Daniel Jones. The reason why they're giving up so much like scramble yards to quarterbacks is because in normal zones, right? In normal zones, regular zones, or, you know, they're like, you know, droppers that you have in today's NFL. If it's not match zone, the linebackers and the, the interior defenders, they play their area through reading the quarterback, right? Their eyes are on the quarterback. If you watch, if you watch Eric Kendricks and you watch Jordan Hicks and, you know, watch whoever it was, Chandon Sullivan playing a lot of the slot today for the Vikings, they are looking at who is coming into their area, right? That's so it's basically a similar principle to man. You have something else other than reading the quarterback through his movement area, right? And everyone always talks about when you play against certain quarterbacks that are bound to scramble and really, really, really destroy you. It's you, it, it allows that to not necessarily be something you can always, always rely on. You can go to it here and there, but you can't only do that. And that's literally all Ed Donatel did all freaking game. The blitzes were not there. The press coverage was so rare, if ever. Free access releases the whole entire game. I mean, you mean to tell me that for just at least maybe one to a few downs a drive, four or five downs a drive, whatever it is, that you can't just say, no, nah, we're going to press them. We're going to put a safety over the top and we're going to send heat, right? We're going to send heat and make like make Evan Neal, the rookie right tackle, deal with it. Basically, we'll let we'll let Andrew Thomas be over there in one on one, whatever, and we're going to light up this other dude, right? Do you mean to tell me that Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, and Darius Slayton are like scare you like that? Even if you got Bruh. safeties over the top, Bruh. like like if your pressure with with Hunter and with, with with Z can't get like that's you just can't do that. That isn't in the cards for you. How are you calling defenses in the NFL? I, I just don't understand because this team has been this way throughout the whole entire course of the year. This is why people didn't take this squad to be for real. It's because Ed Donatel just running this same type of static defense that allowed the most yards to scrambling quarterbacks that allowed the most points in the final two minutes of halves. I mean, I just don't know how you think that you that things are going to be different because the definition of insanity is beating your head against the wall, doing the same thing and expecting different results. And that's what he just did so long in this game. Uh, that's who's on this game. That's who you could put it on, Corday, if anybody. Think, yeah, yeah. And honestly, I think I picked the uh, Vikings to win this game, which I believe, which, you know, I had to – well, I didn't pick it. Uh, somebody else picked it. Uh, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> pick, pick, picked him to win the game um, was because I'm like, the game plan to stop and beat the Giants is very easy. Like, I feel like both these two teams was fraudulent, mainly because – the Giants, if you stop the run and make Daniel Jones beat you, um, they don't have the weapons on the outside to really, like, threaten you or whatever. So if you stop the run with Saquon, don't let him get loose and stuff like that, you'll be able to beat this team quite easily. But I feel like that was not the game plan, and you really line it up man-to-man with these no-name, probably really third, third, fourth, and fifth-string receivers. Like, they're actually going to do something. They're going to scare you. Like, yo, what, what are we doing? Load the box. Stop the run. Like, because – None of these dudes mm-hmm. like the, I think I think I think the Giants receivers I think the leading receiver has like 400 yards something like that like none mm-hmm. of these dudes are scary like the same like <laughs> this, they, like I I don't I didn't get the game plan and like you said you was talking about the breakdown we're gonna play this like uh this weird zone and stuff like that it seemed like the game plan it was like we're gonna play soft that's what the yeah game plan it's was. just relax like you you aren't <laughs> even like 
You've given him, like, the corners. Like, look. Yeah. They're 10 yards off of him. Yeah. Like, I'm watching a replay of the game right now, and Patrick Peterson is literally sitting 10 to 8 yards off yeah. all the receivers. And then we're going to play drop back zone. And then Daniel Jones is just like, okay, drop back. I'm going to look right. And then I'm going to just run. And I'm going to take pocket. off run. I'm going to take off run. Like, it was, it, was, it, was, it was dumb. Like, I didn't get this game plan. I was like, what? I remember watching the game earlier today. I was like, is the game playing soft? Like, guys, uh, soft on three, soft on three. Ready? Break. And that's what we're going to do. We're just going to play soft the whole time. Nobody's going to be physical. Nothing. It didn't. It made no sense. I just. No sense. I, I like so there's the whole world of cover seven that I, I've I've really been studying lately. A lot of the NFL uses it. So many components of cover seven are not free access to the wide receivers, right? Mm-hmm. Cover seven is a you know I'm not going to get two X's and O's, but it is a man match you know man match coverage, you know quarters man match. That's basically what it is, and it's in a nutshell. And he's like, I'm going to bring in these man match concepts to my deep. This is just my trying to understand what he's doing here. Like, how do you go into this game and not have a plan? For Daniel Jones just scrambling for like cheap yards. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's just making it easy. And like, oh, it was just, I can't say this, this is not a credit to Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka at the same time. I mean, they went and they did their thing. Being able to have Daniel Jones have, go 24 or 35, 300 yards in this game, be the leading rusher as well, 17 mm-hmm. carries for 78 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's almost laughable, but like, I did think it was honestly really dope too, just to see Saquon be like, I'm going to touch the ball. What was it, like 14, 15 times, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to be a problem. Yeah. I'm going to be a problem. I'm going to average 5.9 on the ground and I'm going to average 11.2 through the air. And I'm going to get you with two touchdowns. The first Saquon TD, that play, bro. Like we talk about a lot on this show and I agree with it. We talk about a lot on this show. Like how can you have like tight ends being able to be the guy that's tasked to block an edge rusher? How can you task, you know, a, a running back to maybe pick up a blitz of one of the best blitzing linebackers, just for sake of example, maybe Devin White or something like that. Like it usually ends in turmoil for your team. The first Saquon TD, they pulled uh, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, out to the perimeter, and then they pulled one of the guards. To do that, though, it's basically a pin and pull. The pin component of that run game was Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins got a, got a pin down block on Daniil Hunter yep, on yep. that run. Like, I mean, you're getting that type of a contribution. Like, Daniel probably doesn't even expect that at all. This dude for no. sure ain't touching me. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't got to worry about this guy. Oh, there he is. And then now you got the two linemen going out to the perimeter. And basically, because Isaiah Hodgins can seal Daniel Hunter, you now have Andrew Thomas going to block the corner, Duke Shelley on that play, and Cam Bynum basically coming from 15 yards deep because we all know the game plan, you know, it will play super, super deep. Right. Coming from 15 yards deep to fill the alley with a one-on-one with Saquon. Over. It's over. It's over. So just just really frustrating. And then to see on the second touchdown, Saquon just carry Dalvin Tomlinson for about four yards into the end zone. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, he's short. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, he 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 got in? Oh, that, that was, yeah. All right. That was okay. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I thought he would have got stopped, but he he didn't. He definitely and then then got up and looked at Dalvin Thomason's face like Bro. yeah. <laughs> I I, I would have got a flag on that play. You ain't gonna be yelling in my face, so no. I'm like we would have definitely. I would have definitely pulled his face mask. Say, well, I don't know who the hell you think you're talking to, bro. But you definitely, you know, it would have been like one of those. Next time you run up this way, it's gonna be a late hit or like you know we're gonna do something under the pile kind of thing. Like you ain't gonna be in my face like that. 
talking to me. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> we, we, this, this is what we ain't going to do. <laughs> this is what we're like, not going to do. The game plan was to play soft, and they acted soft. So it made sense. It made sense why he didn't get a flag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It was just. It was ugly. Uh, by the end of the first half, the Giants had, I'm gonna, what was it, 267 total yards of offense in the first half of the entire game. This ended up being a season record in 2022-2023 for the Giants. Most yards in a single half mm-hmm. allowed by this uh, Ed Donatel play, whatever it was that he's that he's doing. I mean, I think for sure I mentioned earlier, uh, Joe Lombardi's got to be out in uh, L.A., and to follow him as well, Minnesota. Yeah, you you got to move on. Got to move on, guys. This is this is just unacceptable. Shoot, There's no way they can run it back. Joe Barry, they, they wasn't that wasn't a good D, D coordinator either. So just a lot of stuff in the NFC NFC North. So yeah, unless you want to keep playing soft and keep blowing leads and not be able to stop anybody, keep Ed Donatel. Keep him. <laughs> yeah. The crazy thing about I think Ed Donatel. I don't think I've heard that name since like 2005 when he was like leading like a team. You know, right? Like, I think it was coaching a the team then. Like that's I remember I was like. And you saw the dinosaur? And then I saw a picture of him. Like, yep, that dude is a dinosaur. But yeah, yeah. It nah, just I, I didn't I didn't understand it, man. Like there, I, oh, there was there was this. I specifically remember this part. Last thing about it, bro. <laughs> there was four. There was like four and a half minutes. I want to say left in the third quarter, right? And it was a third and seven, right? And he puts like he did something sort of different than what he had done for like so much of the game, right? It was a third and seven. And he puts the linebackers, he just mugs them up in the A-gap, and he sends five, and he runs man behind it. And it was it was one of the sacks. <laughs> like, it was just, I, like, when that happens, right, It and it works, and you don't go back to the well, like, at all. Like, you're just going to go back to what didn't work. Uh, anyway, I could go on all night about that guy, but. Yeah. 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 Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, hey. Going all night. It seemed like the playoffs did, but we will get to our final game, which was the Bengals and the Ravens. Another one that was a lot more competitive than we initially thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Tyler Huntley getting the start tonight for Baltimore, traveling into Cincinnati. Overall, man, let me ask you this question just right off the bat before we get into the game. Hubbard's fumble return for the touchdown. That was the biggest play of the entire weekend, right? Yes, because of how big it was. Yeah, I'd have to say so. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I and, think about it. I yeah, think about it. yeah, because the game they only lost by seven. The fact that you you lost it on the goal line, driving it and returning for a touchdown. Yeah, biggest game, biggest, biggest play of the whole weekend. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy in that in that scenario and in that spot. But, like, I was thinking about it when I was, like, coming home, watched the game over at my mom and dad's house, and I was, I was driving home, I'm like, what was the single biggest play of Super Wild Card Weekend? And it's really got to be that. And it was one of the one the most recent ones we saw within the, within the context of this whole entire game. Overall, the Ravens, I felt like, came out, and the defense looked uh, even better than I honestly thought that they would. I really have to say that you only surrender with a one touchdown in the first half to this Bengals team on the chase touchdown. But overall, I just, I was really impressed with what this squad did. What, what were your thoughts on how, how Baltimore played defensively? Um, I, I was surprised too, but also this defense has really um, been 
coming into their own. They, they're not the Baltimore defense that we first saw in the beginning of the year that's given up huge, lone leads. Um, I was super proud of them as well. And to make this game, like, really competitive. Like, I love looking, like, rooting for Marcus Peters because he's just tough and just getting in dudes' faces, mixing up with Joe Mixon and, and Jamar Chase, too. So, it's – uh, I definitely like this this Ravens rivalry, and I was super uh, dope to see him. And I just love watching um, uh, Roquan Smith because you, you can tell the dif- the difference of this Ravens defense, especially in the middle, because how great of a co- coverage corner is and how easily he fills gaps, whereas mm-hmm. opposed to Patrick Queen gets lost in coverage a lot of the time. And, I, and then they mentioned in the broadcast, the addition of Roquan Smith has allowed Patrick Queen to become more of a blitzer mm-hmm. and kind of just play more reckless when it comes to stopping the run because he knows behind him he has a great cover corner versus Patrick Queen is a He's a he's, he seems like more of like a Devin like a poor man's Devin White in a sense where oh I'm I, not, <laughs> that's so I'm funny you said that huh? that's so uh, funny you said that because I was yeah. literally like I literally was thinking like huh Roquan <laughs> Smith is the Levante David to, yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> to Patrick Queen yeah. Devin White <laughs> yeah literally, I literally thought about it right now and like, I was like oh snap this is what this is you know this is what this is you know uh and uh. Especially because Roquan Smith is the younger of Levante Davis. Levante Davis is doing it still at an older age. Right, right, right. Levante Davis was was a beast early in his career, yo. And that's what Roquan Smith kind of reminds me of. But they're not the same player because I think uh, Roquan's smaller than uh, Levante, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's smaller than it. And it's like their their makeup, their build is not the same too. But the Patchy Queen and uh, Devin White comparison, I think, is very much the same. Like, I'm a blitz. Stop the run. You go right. I can stop that. And then anything in the middle, like if it comes through. And also, I noticed Roquan Smith doesn't take a lot of false steps. Like no. I was noticing sometimes when uh, 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 Patrick Queen might miss a gap, you see Roquan come up. Boom! Stop that. Boom! Stop that. Boom! I remember it was like I was like a, I think it was a, a Sunday night game, and if you saw another tackle by Pat uh, by uh, Roquan Smith. Another tackle by Swift. Another tackle by Swift where I saw the depth that Patrick Queen was at. That would have been a three to four yard gain. But Roquan either got him, stuffed him at the line, or stopped him for a negative. I'm like, the Bears traded this dude? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My immediate thought, I was like, I was like, oh, this is, oh, this is, mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's a uh, great pickup by Baltimore. <laughs> like, I, I was just like, yeah, this dude. This dude's a raven. <laughs> I yeah. was watching the game. I was just like, I was like, we need to change that number. But this dude is definitely a raven, though. Dude is definitely a raven. So yeah, for sure. Uh, I gotta give it up, though. I mean, the one thing that really stood out to me that's different. I feel like from what sometimes, not sometimes, what a lot of times you'll walk away from Ravens games with the assumption of, and that's the late game passing, like concepts, passing offense that they were giving Huntley. Like there was guys that were open. There was some mixture of what they were going to when they busted the sluggo over Eli Apple. Like what a perfect, what a perfect choice. We know we're going to get some single high over here, right? Cause Anarumu was leaning into that. He's doesn't necessarily think, okay, Tyler Huntley is not a dude that we need to really play too high against rec routinely. We can tend to cheat our safeties up. We can more so be concerned about the run because throughout most of the game, that was what was really happening. It was really good to see J.K. Dobbins in the fold. It's like kind of like a quick detour. It was really good yes. to see yes. J.K. Dobbins in the fold. Man, that dude still has talent. The injuries haven't completely derailed him. 
But yeah, there was a lot of really dope plays. He didn't touch the ball a ton, but it seemed like for the most part when he did, he was very effective and just elusive, tough runner like we remember him being when he was coming out of Ohio State. I feel but. like he should have got more carries, honestly. Like I know him and um uh Gus Edwards shared, and I was I just didn't see Gus being as explosive or the, as dynamic. And I'm like, yo, give him more to Dobbins. Right. I just kept thinking that to myself because I'm like, and when he's in a running game, it was a lot more effective. It seemed like Edwards was like slowed or something. It just he yeah. wasn't as explosive as he was in the beginning of the year. Because I remember when they both came back and before Dobbins opted for that third surgery, Gus was like coming out looking like just mm-hmm. powerful, bruising gats and stuff like that. And now it seemed like the, it's reversed since Dobbins came back from that third knee and, that third surgery. And he just looks explosive. And it always yeah. seems like – He got juice, great. man. Yeah. The Ravens seem like they never give him the ball enough. Like, I feel like he needs to be, like, in that 20 to 22 carry range instead of, like, the like the under the 15 range. Because it seems like he starts getting more juice, and especially on critical drives, stuff like that. You know, because you always want it to be – Second and short instead of second and long, and sometimes Gus Edwards was getting like like a carry for like one or two yards, and it's like second and eight or second and nine versus Dobbins is going in there. Yep, second and six or second and five, you know, just more manageable versus uh, the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I I would just this I love I love the fact that they attacked Eli Apple when he was mm-hmm. seeing that late. I love also the fact that like you had there was a what was it? It was a play where Huntley uh is like kind of breaking out to the left. There was a couple plays in the yep. fourth quarter. Huntley's breaking out to the left. He had Andrews, he connected with Andrews on a sale concept where like Andrews just like settled into like the hole when they had like a three-level read on the left side, and Andrews was just in that intermediate area. He went and he went and attacked that, hit that it was a nice completion. There was another one where Andrews on like was coming over the middle. And like broke on an inbreaker coming from the right, the right hash, all the way across to the left. So like, and he had a lot of time to hit him, and he didn't even trigger on him. Like Huntley went somewhere else with the ball, and of course he's a backup. He's you know in a playoff game that sort of thing. He ain't going to be perfect, but I think that was something else that just kind of went missed in the in the whole shuffle of it all. And then there was the other play where Andrews like squares up on the sideline like late. He's coming back like he shows his numbers to the quarterback, and he's got him, but like he's like falling out of bounds. Like it was just the execution for this Ravens team late, even sometimes independent of Huntley was kind of what led to what the, I feel like the result of this was. And Hey, I mean, that fumble was the one that sealed it, but on the last drive for Baltimore, when it really came down to it, they elected <laughs> to kind of burn some clock, bro. Three ten left bro. inside the two minute warning. And they elect to like, let the clock run down while they got a couple timeouts. They wasted like and then, 35 minutes, bro. And then, and then start calling. I hate when coaches do this. He called coaches. the run play. Yeah. Made no sense. Made no, it was, oh, it, it was 28 like, oh, seconds left in the game. Made Two no timeouts. Two timeouts. You go run the ball. Nail sense. I, I, I just, it's like, 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 what is, what is Greg, what's Greg doing? And, like, and I'm trying to sit here, give him credit. And yeah. then he did that. And it was no urgency either. Like, I remember, like, I see Sammy Watkins, like, jogging onto the field. And I see uh, Huntley's there, like, in the in the huddle. But there's no urgency. Like, like hurry up. Like, like, like huddle, huddle. Like, you know, play comes in. They walk up to the line. I'm like, yo, this is a playoff game. We about to, you know. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm thinking, all right, maybe they don't want to leave a lot of time on the clock because they could possibly give it the ball back to Joe Burrow. But I'm also like, but there's – no urgency or like any like, all right, we're gonna do this at the snap. We're gonna like, or you know, like come up to the line quick. 
I got I'm gonna read the I'm gonna read the defense and I'm gonna either go with the first play we called or I'm gonna check to another one. Like none of that. Like none of that kind of stuff. Right. What is what are y'all doing? It was like, ah, oh, you know. <laughs> it felt like Just, it was about to be the end of the first quarter, not the end of the fourth quarter. You know? Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. It didn't seem like they like that play, the urgency, the mood, like the whole entire process of that, it's like, okay, now we're going to just throw, throw a Hail Mary in there. And yeah. how close did James Prochet come to catching that deflection yeah. in the end zone? That shit was crazy. Yeah. It like, it touched his, I think it's like his fingertip, which is always something I felt like coaches should probably try to practice, like practice Hail Mary, just like receivers, not like just throw it up deep and then like receive, or just like a drill where you throw it up and then receivers like try to catch deflections kind of a thing. Cause I always feel mm-hmm. like, that can be more possible because DBs always catch the deflection and have an interception in the end zone, but receivers never seem like, especially the ones in the back, never seem like they're paying attention enough to be like, oh, well, this ain't, I ain't going to catch this kind of thing. And it's always like, oh, that was, it was always the, oh, that almost could have been something. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know what my immediate thought was? If they had a better receiver back there, they probably would have caught that. Yeah, it's bullshit. I can't return her. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like the fifth string receiver. Yeah, and I yeah, yeah. He's a I'm return like, specialist. Yeah, <laughs> dude, so I'm yeah. just like, because like, out of all the receivers they had on that roster that's currently healthy right now, I feel like Robinson was the best. But Robinson was a cast off from another team who got cut. So I'm just like, all these like walk-ins was with Green Bay cast off. Prochet is the best healthy guy who you guys drafted this year. I was like the third round. I'm just like, guys, we if this isn't uh, a sign that you need to surround or get better receivers instead of all these cast offs. I don't know what is and sign mm-hmm. Lamar too, but, but it's hey, just like these are things they can look at now that it's the off season for them, right? True. True. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of the ball, as far as the Bengals go, um, I thought this was a a solid showing despite the game getting kind of getting out of hand. There were mistakes by this Bengals offense, though. Uh, yeah. Not really going to lie. I mean, the running game was completely non-existent for them yeah. tonight. That's just been something that they could. I didn't think they were going to necessarily have a lot of success with it, especially against this Ravens front. And now, I mean, going forward into the next round, they're going to have to go on the road and play Buffalo. That's going to be something that I still just, I'm going to need to see it before I believe it type of thing. If there's going to be one thing that I think will hinder this team offensively, it's that. And then to compound things even late, I thought Joe Burrow was going to be able, without that that Hubbard return, I thought Burrow was going to like put one more on the board because he's been, I would say he's probably been the fourth best quarterback this year, somewhere around there. Mahomes, then Hurts, then probably Allen, despite the turnovers, and then Burrow, maybe you know somewhere in that that neighborhood, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know somewhere around there. You know, different d- different debate for a different episode. But yeah, yeah. there was the chase. The, Jamar Chase had that slant route after the Hayden Hurst holding call in the fourth quarter when they were backed up on their own area. He mm-hmm. triggers chase on a slant. has got to throw it underneath the, under, on the, the underneath the defender that was hanging in the window. And he just clears him, and Chase has to climb the ladder, but he drops it. Like, I think it was just the next drive. They were, they were uh, sending pressure after Burrow. He navigated the pocket well, which I felt like he did for a lot of the night because Jackson Carmen was getting whooped since losing Alex Kappa. Those replacements weren't doing tremendous, you know what I mean? And then the right tackle was getting whooped too, and then Jonah Williams was getting whooped. And it was allowed twelve sacks on the season, and then he went out with an injury. I was like, <laughs> like "Damn!" <laughs> I was like, "He's like he's gonna be struggling all night with this." And then he goes out with a knee injury. I'm just like, 
I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a good thing, but you also allow 12 sacks in the season. I feel like he should be kicked in the guard, but that's that's here for another discussion, though. Exactly. And, I mean, you have that. You have the mix and drop. You have mm-hmm. back-to-back special teams penalties on Daxton Hill on literally back-to-back plays, the rookie corner out there running out of bounds, et cetera. What, you know, just things like that that tended to make it tougher for the Bengals to really solidify this. But, I mean, overall, they got the result that they wanted. It wasn't as pretty as we expected, but felt like they capped off a nice wildcard weekend really nicely. Anything else on this game you want to touch on? Uh, the Being able to pull it out with three offensive linemen going out of this game is definitely impressive, but you got to give it up to Baltimore. They played well, especially with a backup quarterback. And it looked like they was out of sync with Huntley at times. Like, I don't know the play calling, but we talked about the clock management. So it seemed like it was no real good play design. So maybe something that we've been saying for a minute, maybe they should move on with Greg Roman or at least bring another, bring somebody else, like a passing game coordinator, to at least mm-hmm. add some input to help with some of the stuff, like go get my go get the QB coach out of Buffalo, my guy. You know. Yeah, I think he's guy. gonna be grabbed. There's no way he's not calling plays next year in the NFL, I feel like. No way. No way at all. So go get my guy out of Buffalo, have him, you know, him and Roman do something together or something. Yeah, let him go to Baltimore because I sure don't want him to go to LA. I don't want him to go to the Chargers. No, stay away. Don't go there. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want to play sure. Herbert with him as a coordinator and maybe a bolstered up roster next season. But hey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, well, there's one more game which is going to occur on this wildcard weekend. It'll be the first preview. We'll quickly slide through this one as we have covered many games tonight. It's been fun, and it's it's going to continue tomorrow if this uh, weekend's been any indication of what is ahead. Dallas Cowboys at 12-5 and five, travel on the road to Tampa Bay, who won the NFC South as the only team in the postseason with a losing record. Bucks come into this game at 8-9. and nine. Who do you have taken this victory? And and why are you going that way? Is the as the routine question that we always got to ask here on the Crabby Drill Podcast. Man, I got I got the Cowboys winning this just because I think Tampa isn't playing well. They've been, you know, like I really don't. This isn't the Tampa of last year, and I really don't see how they beat the Cowboys because the Dak has been turnover prone. But they also don't bring Tom Brady. Seems like he's it's not him and Mike Evans. The chemistry really isn't there, even though they had that one game. Uh, where he scored three touchdowns, but it just this Tampa team just isn't. In, even though they backed their way into the playoffs, I I don't see them beating the Cowboys unless they just unless you know mm-hmm. <laughs> unless the Cowboys just fall flat in their face like they do sometimes at random moments. But yeah, I, I got the Cowboys winning this one. I got to go the Cowboys too. The one area I think if Tampa Bay was going to go go ahead and get a win in this, it would be really trying to get downfield, which has been just an atrocity for this team throughout the whole course of the year. Exactly. Exactly. It's almost just like the areas where I could see potential roadmaps. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the Tampa Bay offense has just shown me so many reasons why they'll put an obstacle mm-hmm. in their own way. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll, now that, bro, don't draw up that roadmap. Why not? Yeah. Because that that's under construction, bro. We, we got to work it's, some stuff out. It's, <laughs> it's like the, the weaknesses that the Cowboys have is not the the Bucks don't do well. Like, right. Yeah. Oh, we can't defend the pass deep. Oh, well, we can't even throw it deep. So, like, right. <laughs> that's the two things, you know. So, oh, mm-hmm. our, uh, we we can't defend against the run. Well, we can't run the ball. We can't so, run uh, the ball at all. <laughs> so it's like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, so, it's we can't even exploit it. We can't even exploit your weakness. 
because it's our weakness at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes no sense. I know. And this is just how it's been. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we all we all have known that the Cowboys historically, which I don't, I don't even want to actually go down that road. We've all known more recently, I think. Mike McCarthy has been susceptible to necessarily maybe not playing into the hands of what it is that he does well. Yeah. So I can maybe see some type of fortune where Tom Brady is able to, through the miraculous efforts of the football gods, capitalize on those areas where Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys may end up coming up short. Really in particular with this game, though, um, I think that we're going to see just a lot of the same routine problems that we've seen with this the Tampa Bay offense. You've got Trayvon Diggs that better be, Trayvon Diggs better be on Mike Evans, period. Yeah. Let's just let's just do that, all right? Yeah. Defense. Like, let's not waste him over there guarding the corpse that is Julio Jones or whoever, <laughs> you know, or, or Russell Gage. I don't want to see Trayvon Diggs over Russell Gage. I just don't give me any part of that. If I'm the Cowboys, let's just put him over there because I feel like, yeah, Chris Godwin is normally a beast of a receiver, but the guy's just not fully healthy from that surgery that he had. He's not he, the same dude. He's, he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's a shell of himself. He's a shell of himself. He's only reaching portions of his, of his potential, but he's tough and he's strong and still, still capable to contribute, but just not be able to contribute beyond the levels of what you would need if you were to have somebody be a difference maker in a playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys defense that has, apart from their current number two corner situation, looked yeah. pretty good. Yeah. L- looked pretty good. So with the offensive line likely that's being trotted out there for, for Dallas, I don't want to see Micah Parsons really over Tristan Wirfs at all. I would hope mm-hmm. that we don't get that. Let him deal with the likes of Demarcus Lawrence or things like of that nature. But I'm going to come after the left tackle. I'm coming over off the left tackle. I mean, Donovan Smith all season hasn't been his usual self, and I'm not even 100% sure if we're getting Donovan Smith this weekend. Well, you, said, you said Tristan Wirfs. I don't even know if Tristan Wirfs is going to be in this game. I, I think Wirfs is playing. Okay. He had I, that huge high ankle sprain, so I don't know how healthy he's going to be off, off, coming off that. But, yeah, if he's healthy, you don't want Parsons over there. But, yeah, I get it. Right, I don't want Parsons over there. Let's look, check out the injury report here for the Bucks. Logan Ryan is questionable, along with Carl Nassim and Robert Hainsey, the center. Uh, yeah, we're good to go. Um, we're good to go on the offensive line for the Bucks so far right now. Vita Vea is going to be questionable as well as Carlton Davis. But Carlton Davis has talked about all week how he is going to play. He's been out. So we should mostly see the Bucks pretty much more or less that four strength, full strength, I mean, uh, outside of, um, of course, Shaq Barrett, who's on IR. Um, as well, though, as well, I just, I think Dallas is has the juice overall from playmaker perspective, from just an overall roster perspective, and to be able to go into go into this game and, and come out with a loss because Tampa's going to have to do a lot of outside of what they've done throughout the whole course of the year if they're going to be able to pull this off. And I just, I don't, like you said at the beginning, <laughs> their, their strengths do not play into the strengths of their opponents. This is just like, you know, hey, um, you got two Supermans going against Kryptonite, you know, ooh, negatives. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, give me in this one score wise. I'll take the Cowboys to win twenty three to seventeen. Um, oh, give give me. I'm gonna say twenty four. I'm gonna say twenty four seventeen or twenty four twenty. I'm not sure because uh, 
see, I don't Dallas obviously, and I'm just trying to figure out like because this this Bucks offense has been struggling, man. That's like I'm like I'm, my hand like do I want to go lower? Like <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, it, but it's Tom Brady. I'm a, I'm gonna give the goat some respect. I'm gonna say 24-17 uh, Dallas. Okay, uh, we were kind of right. Maybe like a late touchdown where it's really like 24-10 and then they score like a late touchdown to kind of make it kind of like, oh, you know, like, oh, they did it late, you know, kind of, but it really wasn't that close all game. Kind of was mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I see that makes sense. But yeah, it's been fun. Uh, as we all know, the next time you guys will hear us, it will be for the preview of the divisional round. My favorite weekend of football each year, all bias removed. I just love the fact that we have these teams that have some familiarity that have established themselves as the for real squad each each year. And that's aside from, you know, one more game where either the Cowboys fan base goes home or we see Tom Brady losing the playoffs. You know, hey, it will be a it's gonna it's gonna be a nice week ahead as the season starts to close itself out. But can't wait to really get into the dirt of all these division games. It's been fun tonight, bro. Appreciate that you can make it on. Appreciate everybody listening. It's the Cover Zero Podcast.